This week on Mindful Headlines, Seahawks legend Doug Baldwin. You may know him for his skills as a wide receiver on the football field, including that Seahawks Super Bowl win in 2014. But today he talks to me about why he does so much volunteer work across Western Washington and an upcoming community barbecue in Renton that he's hosting with the United Way. This is just an opportunity for us to gather as a community, you know, to just be together and enjoying activities, to smile, to have to, to laugh, to have fun. And I think our society, our, our uh, collective being on this planet that's tumbling through space, by the way, uh, I feel we all need that. We all need that connection again. We also talk about what drives him, the influence his grandmother has had on his life his Champions of Change initiative, and even his thoughts on the recent shooting in Uvalde, Texas. You know, after my rage and my sadness and all of that kind of subsided enough for me to take a step back and look at this more objectively, the question that came to my mind was, what happened to that young man? What happened to him that he felt the desire and the need to do what he did? And what happened to the systems that are supposedly in place that he fell through. I'm frustrated all around with the lack of um, urgency when it comes to taking care of our younger generation so that when they grow up and they're 18 years old, they don't make terrible decisions, that they have the empathy and the compassion to think about other people's lives and want to make positive impact. We talk about the deep faith that guides him every day, a reason he wants to make our community a better place to live and raise his kids, including his next child, on the way. Hope you like our conversation, and you'll find links and information for the United Way Barbecue, where you can meet Doug, and the Champions of Change events in our show notes. Doug, thanks for being a part of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we got connected through the United Way, and I know there's a community barbecue coming up very soon where some of your fans can meet you. Folks from the community can get out there and just mingle, get to know each other, and have fun. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's exactly what you just mentioned. So June 18th, we're having the community barbecue, and it's just that. It's a a gathering opportunity for friends, family, neighbors to get together, enjoy some good food and some fun activities, and just hang out. You know, the past few years we've been um, dealing with a lot in our society and we've been isolated at times as well. Uh, and so this is a to me is just a perfect transition from coming out of those few those past few years, getting together as a community and building community once again. I, I know the importance of connection just as a human being. And so being able to get connected again to our family, our friends, our neighbors, our community in general, um, I think it adds to the health and well-being of our community. You do a lot of work with United Way and other organizations around the community, right? So um, I know you know that it's important to be a part of the community. So tell me a little bit about what drives you in that regard. Um, well, I grew up in a community that was very similar to the Renton area in this region in general. Um, and so when you talk about being uh, involved in the community, it's just something that I'm used to. It's something that my mother was um, very active in. My father was uh, served the community. And so it's just in my blood, it's in my nature. And, you know, this is a community that accepted me, brought me in when I first got here. So um, if there's a way that I can use my platform and uh, the resources that I've been blessed with to give back and support the community, that's what I'm going to do. Something else I know that you're doing is Champions of Change. And I see it on your sweatshirt. You're wearing a Champions of Change sweatshirt. Talk to me about that initiative. 
Yeah, so Champions of Change is a collaboration between myself, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill. We came together just because we had been running in, into each other and all the work that we had been doing in the community. You know, there was a lot of overlap and a lot of synergy with the things that we were doing. Uh, and it just made sense for us to come together, collaborate, build something, also highlight the, um, the organizations that we're working with that don't typically spend a lot of money on marketing, right? Because they're just so focused on the work that they do. So now we're going to take that on for them. We're going to highlight them, show, showcase their, um, their service in the community, all the data that's back behind their impact, uh, and then help them scale so they can continue to make that impact. And so Champions of Change is just that. We do have the uh, celebrity basketball game on June 26th, the day of giving as well, the, the gala before. Um, but really, it's just uh, this, the month of June is going to be the June where we're bringing everybody together to, to really serve the community. I feel pretty honored that you're talking to me on my podcast because I know you are so busy and I can just hear it when you talk about your schedule and all the things that you have coming up. And another reason I'm excited to talk to you today is because just a few episodes ago, I did a podcast on Our Stories Are Your Stories or OSEs and about the Asian American community. Mm -hmm. And I saw your OSEs and um, will you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I don't think that a lot of folks know that your grandmother, right, was Filipino? Yeah, my grandmother, she, uh, she's from Dulag Leyte uh, in the Philippines, the barrios of Dulag Leyte, as she would say. Um, and she incredibly influential, obviously, on who I am and the man that I am today. Um, you know, when I did that video, I don't think I fully understood the depth of influence that my grandmother had on me. And now with two daughters and a third on the way, like I'm realizing the impact that um, just my grandmother's personality, her culture, her upbringing, her perspective on the world because of where she grew up, um, just how it's impacted my life. And so uh, I'm just really incredibly grateful for her, um, you know, and her perseverance and resilience through all the things that she has gone through but then also to demonstrate love in a different way to to me and now to her great-grandchildren, which is pretty phenomenal. Are you passing along some of those traditions to your kids? Of course, absolutely. I wouldn't be right uh, if I didn't. Um, You know, my grandmother, she, very strong-willed individual. Um, And I, you know, I know that some of that has rubbed off on my mom, which then rubbed off on me. And now I see it on my younger daughters who um, carry that same tenacity and that same resiliency. Um, and everything that they do. And I'm watching them as they grow. Um, and I see so many similarities, even with my youngest daughter, I see some similarities of her with my grandmother. Um, you know, my, my wife and I, we laugh about that all the time, but yes, absolutely. The, um, the traditions, the thoughts, the culture, just the aspects and the perspective, the, the lessons that my grandmother taught me, I'm passing those down to my children as well. Obviously we're talking today a little bit about your uh, community service and your work in the Seattle and Puget Sound area, but um, people know you from football, obviously, you're a Seahawks legend, uh, very successful football career. How has that shaped your mindset going forward, right? Um, It takes a lot of dedication to be that kind of athlete. And I'm sure that you're speaking about tenacity in your girls and in your grandmother, and you obviously must have some of your own tenacity to kind of set your goals and go forward. And how does that translate into your community service and the life you're leading right now? That's a great question. Um, I think first and foremost with my daughters, right? And it's in family in general, as I'm building a family um, and still have a lot on my plate, you know, there's challenges that come with that. But I look at my daughters and the only thing they really care about is knowing that they're loved. 
Uh, and, you know, I'm focused on that. And the lessons that I learned through life and particularly through, through football um, was that when you create a culture and environment where people feel seen, recognized, loved and valued, you're able to do incredible things. You know, we won a Super Bowl, went to another one that we should have won. Um, but it, that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> being in that culture and understanding the impact that actually seeing and, and being in relationship, being connected uh, with each other, uh, that was very impactful on me, right? And I, and I had known that throughout my entire career, playing football, I've been playing football since I was six years old um, and had some success every step of the way. But when you get to that, you know, the pinnacle of the sport um, and it's the same lessons, you know, it's the same, um, it's the same framework that leads to success. Uh, that's when I was able to actually observe that, pay attention to it, and then take those lessons and translate it to everything else that I'm doing. So with my family, obviously, with Champions of Change, with my work with United Way, right, the most important aspect of everything we do is that we make sure we see the folks that we're working with, right? Um, now, that's really hard and really challenging to do at times, and we don't get it right by any means, but that's the, the premise of all the work that we do. And if we do that, even when we fail, even when we get it wrong, if we're doing that, if we're aimed in that direction, um, we'll have more wins and losses. And I'm fairly confident about that. As I'm listening to you talk, um, one thing you've said a few times is how much you value your connections and your relationships. And I think that there might be folks out there that say, okay, you've had success. You know, you've had, um, you know, success in career. And may many people equate that to happiness or success, right? And um, And we kind of have this narrow view of that. Um, and people would say, okay, well, you could just move on and be selfish and just live your personal life, but you're giving back and you're giving back to all of these organizations that create this huge web of people that you touch. So is that something that you feel is just innate in you or um, you've seen that is rewarding for yourself or just you want to be a good example? Where does that come from? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm actually... Um... You know, you, you might have heard me say this before, but I'm 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 a big proponent uh, or uh, supporter of therapy counseling, um, and actually, just this week, I've been diving deeper into what this really means for me. Um, I've always been a person who likes to stay busy, who likes to keep my mind going, um, and so knowing that, I wanted to make sure that I was driving that, directing that for good, right? Because I could, to your point, I could do it in a number of different things. But I want to make sure that I'm using that energy and all the resources that I've been blessed with to do good in the world. Um, but I'm diving deeper into why that is. And I think a lot of it comes from just this, um, this desire to want to be seen as well. You know, um, I want to be able to support folks that were like me growing up, that felt um, displaced, that felt disconnected, that felt unsafe at times or unseen as well. And so being able to provide um, that experience for folks, uh, it does something for me. It's kind of healing for me as well. You know, that's, it's a little selfish in some ways, but, um, I'd rather be doing this in this lane, doing this work, uh, impacting lives for the better, because I know that the impact that folks who did the same thing for me had on me growing up, I would say that's why. 
You said so the word selfish, and I've um, in my lifetime grappled with that word because sometimes we're told, don't be selfish, don't be selfish. But in other ways, it is good to be selfish, right? Take care of ourselves, take care of our own mental health and do the things that reflect positively in our lives and bring us joy. I think that's really important, especially in these really difficult times. We've had a really tough couple of years. Now, I heard through the grapevine that you were interested in positive psychology. Is that right? And do you have anything to share in that regard? Yeah. So, uh, well, I want to, I want to go back to your previous comment about um, the word selfish. I also had a hard time with that navigating, like what that meant, what the, uh, what are the positive aspects of that? If you utilize it, if you direct it in the right direction. And what I'll say is, uh, I say this quite often. I'm a Christian. Um, I do believe in Jesus Christ, and I know it's not always the most popular thing to say, but when I say that, I do believe in his base, his fa- fundamental teachings, which meant love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, period. All the other stuff that we debate about, like if it doesn't fall into that category, it's not, um, it's not what I believe in. One of the scriptures says that uh, for a husband and for a wife, that they have to make each other first, even when they have children. Um, my mother, she had a hard time with that when, when I was growing up because, you know, she, as a mother, she wants to take care of her children. Yeah. But what she helped me understand and what I've come to understand as a father now is that I have to put my wife first. And what that means is that if my wife feels safe and secure and seen and loved, then she is free to give her love and the abundance of the joy that she has in feeling safe, seen and protected and, um, and secure, she has the ability to give that to our children and then our children thrive. And so, yeah, it is a, a different perspective on the word selfish. Um, but I think in totality, the ultimate goal here is to make sure that um, we're serving and uh, taking care of the people that we love. Yeah. So that's the word that I would, that's, that's the way I would describe I'm navigating that word. And I totally forgot your your question now. Um, Oh, positive psychology. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this is funny. So in September, I started taking the master's of applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. um, And I was, I fell in love with it. I kind of knew a lot about it. One of my friends, Angela Duckworth, she was the one who pointed me in the direction to take this program. So I started it off, but then in the middle of it, I got asked to take over a company um, that I was uh, advising for. And so I had to jump on that opportunity and uh, my wife is pregnant. So we have another baby due and just a lot of things were going on at the same time. So I actually had to drop that course, but I stayed in contact with my cohort. Um, You know, they, they kept sending me the reading so I could still be in in touch with uh, the program, but still not be, uh, you know, fully involved. But Master's of Applied uh, Positive Psychology, Positive Interventions, um, you're going to hear more about that in, in the world here shortly because it's, um, it's, it's a curriculum, it's a, um, an, uh, an education path that is needed in the world. And I think more people will be attracted to it because of the positive impacts that it has in our lives. So you'll probably hear more about that in the near term. Oh, I 100% agree. Um, One of the reasons I had heard you were um, interested in that subject is because I myself have really thought about perhaps going back to school for psychology, and I did a master's degree on um, national security, but long story short, um, did a thesis project on um, mindfulness and meditation in schools and hopefully how that might 
mitigate school shootings. And you might see where I'm going with this topic, but um, I really believe that a lot of um, the security that we feel in this country and in our personal lives comes to what's happening in between our two ears, what's happening in our brains and our minds and how we handle adversity and how we go forward. And to me, psychology, positive psychology, positive reinforcement is just so important. And like you said, I think it's really going to be something that we talk about as a nation going forward, um, regardless of gun laws. And we don't have to get into that. But um, I did want to get some of your thoughts, um, especially for folks that might be listening, whether they're adults or particularly younger kids that might be listening as well, just like your words of advice, because we are recording this on the week that the Uvalde shooting happened. And it's just been such a difficult news week. Yeah. You know, my wife and I, we um, we spend a lot of time talking at the end of the day. Once our kids are in bed, we spend a lot of time just talking, um, you know, about the psychology of our health and well-being so that our children could um, be thriving and flourishing. But then obviously we talk about the things that are happening in the world. And, you know, there's been several tragedies that have happened uh, here recently. And it's, it feels like it's a it's an upward uh, ticking trend. And, you know, when I think about what role I play in the world um, and what role I have as a steward of, you know, these, these great organizations and um, the, the, the relationships that we've cultivated in, in this space, I can't help but think that, you know, there's, there's a losing battle that we're fighting. And I don't want to sound hopeless because that's not what I'm, you know, trying to convey here. It's just that, you know, through my belief is in, in, in my faith and what I have come to know to be true, I believe we are fighting a losing battle. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't stop, that we don't, that we stop fighting. Mm-hmm. We still continuously fight. And I think that is, um, that is our task as human beings on this planet. When we're challenged with things that we're experiencing in our society, we still have to fight. Um, if you were to ask me in a utopian society, what would it look like to solve these problems? What would it look like to uh, address some of these issues? We don't spend enough time or we don't invest enough of our time, our resources, our money, effort in our education system. You know, like think about what, like, I, I, can, I can go on for days here, but I'll just, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave you with this thought so that I don't take up too much time on a specific topic. But, you know, there was a human being who walked into a school and killed children. You know, after my rage and my sadness and all of that kind of subsided enough for me to take a step back and look at this more objectively, the question that came to my mind was, what happened to that young man? Yeah. What happened to him that he felt the desire and the need to do what he did and what happened to the systems that are supposedly in place that he fell through. And that then brings me back to the topic that we have been discussing in politics and in society for years and years and years and years is that we don't take care of our teachers. We don't take care of our education system. We don't take care of our parents, but yet we have so much money to do all these other things in our country the richest country on this planet. Um, and we don't, we don't spend the resources to change those things. And I don't know if we ever will. 
I don't know if we will ever wake up to make the difference that's needed. Um, but that doesn't mean that we stop fighting for that. We will continue to fight for those efforts because as a father of two children and one on the way, I have to. I have to. I'm frustrated all around with the lack of um, urgency when it comes to taking care of our younger generation so that when they grow up and they're 18 years old, that they don't make terrible decisions, that they have the empathy and the compassion to think about other people's lives and want to make positive impact. Yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. No, I loved your answer. And I also think it circles us back around to some of the work that you're doing because, um, and the importance of community and a safety net and having people around you that are going to notice when you are struggling. Um, and even if it's not a direct cry for help, that when we are attuned to people around us and our community around us, we are able to identify, right? when someone is struggling, that we don't just walk past them or we don't say an empty, how are you? And we don't wait for the answer and we keep going. Right. Yeah. So um, I think what you're saying is really important. It's about connection. You're right. It's absolutely about connection. And Brene Brown says that the lack of connection always leads to suffering, you know, and, and we've been disconnected for a while because of the pandemic. Um, we've been divided on a number of fronts because of the political nature of our, of, of our society right now or just lacking connection. And, you know, there's the facade that social media connects you. And we all know that that's not true. There's a number of studies and a whole bunch of data out there that's, that shows the impact, the negative impact that social media has on our young people and on our society in general. But yet we don't make any changes. I don't know what the answer is, but um, it just doesn't seem like the folks who have the power and the leverage and the influence to bring these topics to the forefront so that we're all engaging with it. It just doesn't seem like we're having that conversation. And again, as a father of two children, two daughters and a third on the way, it's very frustrating. Uh, and so, yeah, the work that I'm doing is aimed at solving that problem, even though I believe it's, I don't know if it's a solvable problem, but I'm going to work towards it because my daughters deserve that. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast has just been kind of um, a passion project of mine um, on the side of doing my job, my actual job, um, is that I really believe that our psychology influences what is happening in the news. And then our collective psychology also impacts that, right? Like as, as a collective society and how we are all feeling. And I think I've certainly felt that in my own life in the past couple of years, not only with the pandemic, not only with these horrific shootings, I mean, the Buffalo shooting, um, this recent one in Uvalde, and then just the list goes on, George Floyd last year, all the protests that we saw, I guess that was two years ago, all the protests that we have seen, you know, the rise in anti-Asian hate. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And in the news that can really take a toll so one of my questions that I always want to ask my guests, um, and sometimes I include it in the podcast, other times um, I will admit it's just in conversation afterwards when we've stopped recording, but it's what kind of tools do you use in your daily life to keep you grounded, to keep you sane, and to take care of your own mental health? Uh, first and foremost, I read my Bible. And, and again, I know this, you know, it's not always going to be the most popular thing for people to hear or for somebody to say, but that's um, that's fundamental for me. It's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning and, you know, look, it is, it is a, sometimes it's a hard, hard book to read. You know, there's a lot of things that you don't necessarily agree with, but you know, it's, there is some, there's some element of it that forces you to 
objectively observe your own behaviors and the things that you do and the way that you impact the community and the society that you're a part of, right? And I think that's important that we're always reflecting on who we are as human beings on this planet. Um, and then secondarily, like you know, I'm super close to my family. I got to have that support system. So even when I'm doing really well, I got to have that support system to keep me humble and grounded. And even when I'm in, in the dark spots or struggling, have those folks who can breathe life into you and, and uplift you and bring you back to where you need to be. And then also just, you know, maintaining proper health, exercising, eating healthy when I can and going to therapy, you know, constantly trying to evaluate my mental state. Uh, so that I can continuously progress and move in the right direction. Now, all of those things are important for me selfishly as an individual, as you know, one person, but it's also vital for my wife so that you know she has a husband that's uh, growing and is healthy so that she can be healthy and, and be free to do the things that are important to her and that increase her health and well-being so that we collectively can be available for our children so that they can grow in a prosperous and healthy environment that allows them to thrive. That's the way that I lead my. I try to lead my life every day, um, and I would encourage anybody to do those same things. You know, find something that you can hold on to that's greater than yourself. Um, put those people around you—not just yes people, but people who actually care about you, who are willing to tell you no or that you're wrong—and um, then find a, a support system after that. That's not, you know, just family or friends, but folks who have educational background on the things that we're challenged with in our society. And if, you know, if you put those things in place, no matter how hard life can get at times, you have that support system to support you through it. You've mentioned your faith several times, and I think this is important to note for people, no matter what faith they are that are listening. What I think is really cool um, that you mentioned is that you read your Bible every morning, that you've created a ritual around it. And I think I'd love for you to comment on how important that is, because um, and I'm just speculating here, but as an athlete, especially an athlete at your caliber playing for the Seahawks in your career, there are so many times where you probably didn't want to wake up and do those practices, wake up and, um, train and, you know, but you do it right. Like you, you set a goal, you're intent on doing that and, and you do it every day, whether you feel like it or not. And then the rewards come. And I think sometimes our own faith is like that as well or, you know, meditation practice or things that we know are healthy for us. And yeah. some days it's just really hard to do, but if we create that ritual around it and we create that practice, then we do reap those rewards later on. Yeah. I mean, if that's, that's, a that's one perspective on it. I would say that, you know, if you, um, you know, Romans, Paul, Paul and Romans talks about how, you know, we as humans, we know what the right thing to do is sometimes, but yet we don't do it. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it is, it is true in that sense that we're, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all do things that are um, not loving towards our neighbor. And, you know, that's why you need Jesus Christ because we can't li live up to the standard that is love. That is that patience and kindness and um, humble, respectful, um, you know, passive, uh, love that I shouldn't say passive love. It's a very aggressive love, but it's passive in the sense that it doesn't demand its own way. Right. Um, it's very hard for us to live up to that. And, you know, to your point about, you know, waking up to go and, and practice and do all the things like there's some days just in life in general that you wake up and it's just a harder day of life. Right. And you need, 
I believe you need something that's greater than yourself to show you that value and that importance to persevere through those hard times. And that has been my faith. You know, I've got a, a, an incredible family and incredible support system, but at times um, those things can be challenges as well. And so you need something that's even greater than that, in my opinion. And I think we're seeing that in our society in a number of ways. And I don't necessarily mean that in the sense of like, you should be going and following God or reading the Bible. Like, I do believe that, right? That's my faith. I do vouch for that. Um, but to your point, I think it's just, we know that there are positive and healthy things that we can do for ourselves. And the more we do those things subconsciously and objectively, we're putting ourselves in a position to have more positive things happen to us. Now, that doesn't mean that things are going to always go our way, but it just means we give ourselves a chance for positive things to happen to us. And to relate it back to the sports world, um, for me, I, I'll use the example of my junior year in college. I almost quit. I almost left Stanford and, and quit football because I was having such a hard time. Um, but I remember coming back my senior year and just saying, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to persevere through this. I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens just happens. Right. And because I put myself in that mindset and I showed up every day and I was doing my job and I was trying to perfect my craft, I got an opportunity to play. And when I was when I got that opportunity to play, because I had put my head down and focused on my craft, I was ready to take advantage of that opportunity. And then a year later, I'm getting a call from the Seattle Seahawks to come try out. And, you know, the rest is history. Um, so, yes, to your point, if uh, if if we do the things that we know are healthy for our well-being and we consistently try to do those things, if we're moving in that direction, um, I am a firm believer that we will get more wins and losses. Yes, that is a great example. Um, before we go, I do want to ask you um, how you keep up with news and if it's something that you keep an eye on, local news, national news, um, especially because you are so engaged with the community and do you find value? Because I think sometimes, you know, listeners of my podcast are probably tuning in because I work at King Five. Um, and I think sometimes it is difficult, like for me even, right? We're getting bombarded with these negative headlines quite often. Um, I look at it through the lens of it's really important to know what's happening in our community so we can enact change, so we can find solutions. Other people feel like it's overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's studies that are coming out now just about the impact of a 24-hour news cycle is having on our psyche as individuals, as humans. Um, you know, this this time, this era of time that we're living in, we have never been exposed to this amount of life experiences uh, ever in the history of, of, of humanity. I think there was a study that showed me uh, that I was reading recently about the things that we see on a yearly basis is more than somebody 25 years ago was exposed to in their entire lifetime, right? So we're seeing death and tragedy at a rate that's um, unprecedented and the impact that that's having on our, on our society. Mm -hmm. uh, so to answer your question, I try to find a, a balance between the two, between, you know, trying to stay engaged with the local media and the news and national news about what's going on in our world, but also being far away enough so that I can stay connected, truly connected to my community and the things that are actually happening in the present with my community. Um, that's a hard balance because yeah, sometimes you'll miss something that's happening in the local area because you're not paying attention to the news or you're not watching the national media. Um, but 
you know, we, we weren't always like that. We didn't always have access to everything that was going on around the world. And we were still able to flourish and thrive as human beings to get to this point. And so I do think that there's elements of us finding the right balance. I don't know what that is, but uh, I'm actively trying to figure that out myself. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And even though I work in the news, um, people that know me in my personal life, they know that on the weekends and when I'm not at work, I will shut it off too, because you have to have a break. And I do believe that things have to have a balance. So um, I appreciate that answer. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to share that's important to you that you want people to know about? Um, about me, no, uh, but I am hopeful and in, uh, in encouraging um, folks to come and join us for the, obviously, the community barbecue on June 18th. Again, this is just an opportunity for us to gather as a community, you know, to just be together and enjoying activities, to smile, to have to, to laugh, to have fun, um, because, you know, just as you mentioned, I think our society, our our uh, collective being on this planet that's tumbling through space, by the way, uh, I feel we all need that. We all need that connection again. And so, you know, if we can do it, a small part of it in our backyard, we're going to, and I, I hope that everybody will join us to do that. And obviously the champions of change have been on the 26th as well. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't push that as, uh, also. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that you're most looking forward to in the barbecue, you know, for me, when I go and do public events, I just love like talking to the little kids. That's my favorite. <laughs> Um, I think because this vision in my head of just looking out and seeing all the folks enjoy all the activities and everything that we're putting into this um, and just creating that safe environment, that safe space for people just to come and be um, seen and free to be themselves for a day. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. Doug, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. And thanks for all the work you're doing in our community. Thank you. And you as well. Once again, that was former Seahawks star wide receiver Doug Baldwin. You can find information on the United Way Community Barbecue happening June 18th in Renton in our show notes. There's also information on Champions of Change that King 5 is a proud sponsor of. You've been listening to Mindful Headlines. My goal with each episode is to understand how our minds influence current events so we can better understand our world inside and out. As always, share with your friends and family. Take care.